0: I'm Jack Zemlicka, and welcome to this episode of our 2017 Precision Farming Dealer podcast series. Today's program, Piecing Together the Billable Precision Service Puzzle, is once again being brought to you by Farmer's Edge. If this is your first time tuning in, you can subscribe to this series and get updates on future episodes currently available in iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and TuneIn Radio. Or if you prefer another app for listening to podcasts, let us know. We'll look to get it added here as well. I also encourage you to mark your calendars. Plan to attend the upcoming Precision Farming Dealer Summit, January 8th and 9th in Louisville. The theme of this dealer only event is Bridging the Precision Profitability Gap, and will feature a mix of general sessions, panel presentations, and roundtable discussions. Space is limited, and you can visit PrecisionFarmingDealerSummit.com for more information and updates. Thanks again to Farmers Edge, proud to partner with dealers across the United States to unlock exceptional opportunities for their farm customers. Through innovative technology and field-centric tools, their whole farm smart solution will strengthen your platform and enhance your customer relations. Grow opportunities for your customers and become a representative for Farmers Edge today. Visit them at farmersedgeusa.com/slash become a representative, or call them at 952-582-1398. Well, putting together a precision farming service plan can be a messy process. What to include and exclude. How to bill and, of course, what to charge are key decisions that need to be made prior to launching a package. But research, feedback, and a willingness to work with customers on tweaking support plans to serve their needs are ways dealers can turn potential problems into profit. To effectively develop and sell a precision service plan, there needs to be buy-in and collaboration, especially among salespeople, service mechanics, and the precision team. In today's Precision Farming Dealer podcast, brought to you by Farmers Edge, we welcome in two precision farming managers to share their diverse journeys, detours and all, to building, promoting, and capitalizing on precision service programs. From getting salespeople and precision specialists on the same page with objectives to setting attractive price points and retention goals, the discussion provides an experience-based roadmap to recurring revenue. We start with Twan Van Ham, Integrated Solutions Manager with Western Tractor in Lethbridge, Alberta, who created three different service packages with a goal of avoiding overlap between the service and precision departments, while also balancing and utilizing the strengths of each.
1: In Lethbridge, Alberta, which is uh, just north of the 49th parallel, we're uh, about an hour north, and we would be probably about two and a half hours north of Great Falls, Montana. So, um, I'm going to give you a little bit of a background as to who, who I am and give you some history, which maybe will shed some light as to uh, how I came about with, with my packages and where we are at currently, uh, with what we're doing. So like it says, I'm 27 years uh, at the back uh, at the dealership. I came there pretty much straight out of high school. I did take one year of college in a um, agricultural technology program which uh, which was offered locally. So when I came into the dealership, we were, where we're still somewhat separated between the combine side and the tractor side. And so I know that's probably not uncommon. So um, I basically moved from the, the, the combine side to the tractor side and then just keep graduating and keep moving forward where I ended up being the, uh, uh, the lead tech to the, uh, to the shop foreman position slash service manager position. About five years ago, um, in that area, I um, I got an opportunity to train, uh, to teach at the college uh, under the Alberta Apprenticeship Heavy Duty Program, which I thought, well, that's very interesting. I've, I've always kind of liked, you know, presenting the information that, that I've learned over the years, so I really wanted to give that an opportunity. and so. I did. I did go and, and teach for one winter, where uh, they also offered me a full-time position right after. I was a bit of on a trial basis at the time, but then they uh, offered me full-time right after. Now, at the same time, our dealership was starting to transition into this whole new sector of precision ag. Now all the John Deere dealers in here will know that John Deere has struggled with naming of the, of the department. Um, we've gone from, from AMS, Ag Management Solutions, to Integrated Solutions, to Precision Ag. And so um, that's where we are right, right now. We, we, we are calling ourselves a Precision Ag Department. So this position opened up for me. And uh, I I did take, uh, I I did jump into that just to see, you know, what the next step was. Now, so basically, when we started this department, we we just threw a bunch of spaghetti at the wall to see what would happen, what would stick, what would work, what wouldn't work. We had thought, I had my own personal thoughts as to what I thought Precision Egg should look like or should be like. Um, Other people in the department or in the um, dealership had their thoughts as to how it should be or or how it should not be. Uh, But basically, it was messy, you know, literally like you throw spaghetti against the wall, that makes a big splat, Uh, looks very messy. But as time went on and we were looking, you could actually see, you know, picture this, the spaghetti sliding down to the wall, but it kind of straightened itself out. And at that point, you know, we were starting to get some traction as to what, uh, what we were doing. Now, there's the Greek philosopher that says change is the only, only constant in life. And truly, I feel that this department, the, the precision egg department, that's... The one thing that I always go back to is that change is the only constant because we're constantly changing. I've made changes after making changes to change it back or forwards again to not stick and stay put or stationary. We're always evolving, it seems like. Um, We've made some good decisions, we've made some bad decisions, but regardless, we have definitely made changes in, in this department. It's good and bad when you're making changes. It's good in a way because you want to be progressive and you want to keep making, you know, you want to be on the cutting edge, you want to stay current, you want to be up to date. Um, those, those are good changes, but the people behind you that have to implement some of these changes, they don't always know what direction I was rolling or which way I was going. And so you have to really balance how many changes you make, how often you make them. But I made considerable amount of changes regularly, and just hoped that my solution specialists and my precision ag specialist would continue to follow along and and buy in and continue um, to support what I, what I was doing. So, and, and the reason I bring this up is because I think there's a lot of us in this room that are probably from similar background, come from a background with a technical capability, you know. Um, you were maybe the guy that was liked computers, liked electronics, liked technology. Uh, you're now being put in a department where um, you're trying to organize a new startup. As, as I, I look at the Precision Ag as still a, a new startup company. And um, at the end, there has to be a revenue stream attached to it. You have to build that revenue stream so that people up the ladder, are, um, are, um, our owners can see that, hey, there is a real reason for, for this department to be, to be there. So with that kind of background, um, I'll talk a little bit about what I came or how I came about in developing some of my, my packages. So definitely one of the key components that I did was I researched within my own area of responsibility and my own customers now, this may not be new to, to, to all of you, and, and I hope it is not. Um, but the reason I did this is because early on, I took some packages that were maybe made already, and I tried to um, try to develop them or, or try to massage them into you know what would work for us. Um, but I, but I did find that that didn't quite work the way I needed it to work. So I researched my own AOR and I, it, within my AOR, we're, we're a very diverse uh, area. We have probably 40 different crops. We have dry land, we have irrigation, we have specialty crops, we do a lot of different things. And I even found that some of the packages that I have are specific for certain areas. My forage harvester package, for instance, um, I have a, have a package that's dedicated to forage harvesters, would be in one area and, and definitely not on some of my uh, further uh, east areas of, of where where our dealership is. So you have to be specific and you have to have a very good understanding of what your AOR looks like and what your customers are looking for within your AOR, okay? The, the other thing is that I did, um, I wanted to make sure that I found an area that I was maybe not the only one, but very specific in, in doing what I was doing. Um, I wanted an area that wasn't super saturated with a whole bunch of other people so when when I was looking at building my, my packages I, I, and what I put inside of them I wanted to make sure that there wasn't somebody else down the road doing the exact same thing and we start competing against one another so bad that the margins keep dropping down. Um, I wanted to make sure that I was in, a, in an area in a space where there wasn't There was competition, but we were all doing something just a a little bit different. I think you have to understand that there are are, are three different areas that I build my packages to, and I have to kind of separate and understand which package fits in what category. So there's definitely some technical packages. You know, these are the ones that are servicing and maintaining equipment. This is something potentially that the service department is doing, and one of the things that we had to define and figure out is, if I'm offering a package, is that a package that actually my service department is already doing or should be doing, or is it something that they are not doing that could be done, whereas maybe I am in an area now where there's nobody else, um, and so there's there's that opportunity. So, I want to make sure when I build my packages, I am not building anything, any service, any type of service that the service department is, is already doing because it's a very technical um, package. If it's, you know, servicing and maintaining equipment, if, if it talks about bolting on a piece of hardware or a widget, um, that's a service department um, uh, that the service department would do. Now agronomic, uh, crop scouting, pers- um, precisions, those are very specific agronomic um, services that they will provide. And so as the precision ag department grew, and we do have our own internal uh, agronomic, agronomics, um, we have eight agronomic agronomists part of me we have eight agronomists on staff that are uh, that are doing what 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 they do including crop scouting and soil sampling and building prescriptions and doing all of that so uh, a package needs to be specific to to that area the last one is, is my own made-up word, which is techronomy. I don't know if it makes any sense to anybody, but I feel that there's a pocket, there's an area that is somewhat machine optimization that's different than uh, machine maintenance, but it's optimizing a machine uh, that is part of data collection. Which is really the area where where my packages have been very very successful. This is the area that I probably spend my my time in the most uh, because I feel this is an area where um, where the precision ag department can really do their best work. It is it is not agronomy, but it's not technology. It's kind of that in between. So I've trademarked <laughs> not trademarked, but I've come up with a name called. Techronomy, just to um, just to put a word to it. So, the other thing that I did is on the packages that I built, especially in the Techronomy area, is I wanted to make sure that I make a package and became the best at what I was doing. I wanted to make sure that my customers saw the value and 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 really see the value of what I'm doing. If um, A good example would be data collection. If you actually think about it and if you step back on data collection, a customer, if he's proficient at doing his, I shouldn't call it his job, but doing proficient at running a screen and a computer in, in a piece of equipment, he can easily collect his own data, but we know that doesn't happen all the time. So I wanted to make sure that if we're going to collect data, that we're doing it right and we're not doing a half-assed job because now the customer at the end sees no big value in this and realizes, well, I could have done that myself. So I make sure that whatever we put out is top-notch. You, you can't put something out and just do it half-hearted. The other thing that I really looked at is um, I wanted to develop a package that my specialist might, my, my, and I, it probably should have said specialist, not my techs. I'm not talking about my service techs, I'm talking about the solution specialist. I wanted a, a package that a solution specialist wanted to, uh, wanted to sell, perform, and do. Um, so if I look at our own dealership, we, myself, came from that service background my first new hires were also from the service department and they are very tech savvy and they understand all the ins and outs of the technical what equipment can be hooked up to to what if you're talking about iso bus or can communication or rs-232 communication they can give you all the details behind it and they were you know they were good at it and they are still very good at it and we need those people in there Uh, But I also found that these guys come with that service mentality background where a customer comes to the service department with a broken something. And um, a service technician is used to having somebody bring them a problem. They disassemble it, reassemble it, and send send the unit back out for service. Where in the precision ag department, we are going to see customers maybe with a solution on a problem they don't even currently know that they have. We may have a better way of doing something for them if they would go and, you know, maybe change the way they do current operations, maybe add another piece of hardware. But a sales, sorry, a service technician, that doesn't come natural to them. So I really started to look at, okay, who are my who are my sellers of packages, and how can I have them incorporated in, in what we're doing? So I, I did develop, I did take me some time to really develop these guys, and to build packages that they were excited about. In fact, I, some of my packages, I have a, a sprayer specialist on staff. Him and I sat down and we said, okay, what are you currently doing? How can we take what you're currently doing put this together, put a number to it, because we can figure out how many hours you're spending. We roughly know what it would take, you know, how many pieces we're, we're selling. We can figure out, you know, what your um, what your time is worth, and we can put a number to that package. And he started to see, hey, you know what, I, I am already doing this, and he, he sees that there is importance in what he's doing, and so... He now is, you know, starts selling some of these packages because he sees his involvement in it. You also have to have complete dealership buy-in. We had, um, early on I guess I would say that not the complete dealership would understand what we were trying to do in the Precision Ag Department and so I would try and set up a um, well. The the best one would be our service, our base service package. Our base service package, which would include the, the usual um, service for a customer. It would include training. It would include uh, updates. Um, you know, things along those lines. It would include replacement screen or uh, sorry, replacement hardware if needed. I had the service department still giving away some of those services for free in the service department, yet when the customer came to the Precision Ag department, there would be a charge for it. So that's taken me some time to change and to get the mindset changed, to get the culture within your dealership changed so that we have the dealership understanding that, hey, these packages are helping, helping them. It's, it's easier, you know, the service department was giving this away for free. They were taking the time to do all of this, not charging for it. I, sh- I showed them, hey, let's bring that up to the Precision Ag Department, because they will, customers do not expect it always for free. And so when, when our department got involved, we were able to charge for it. Okay. The other thing that I did with my packages, I definitely made sure that it became the easy button. My packages are made no matter how much work it is on the back end, how much time we have to spend on figuring out how much, how much time it would take. We made sure that the customer ne- never saw that. For him, it was, you know click the button here and we will perform this, this and this. We would make the contact to the customers. We would always make sure that the customers, um, we would establish the connection first to make sure that, um, that we would get what we need in order to perform those um, tasks that we needed to do. So, change a culture from, from free to fee. That is a a term that John Deere was using, and that's still something that we struggle with within the dealership, but the culture has to change inside the dealership, so that um, as time goes on, it will show that it is, that we change the culture from free to fee, and as time goes on, that will become easier. Okay, we make sure that we show the value to the customer. If a package goes out and it's, and it's mediocre and it is not the best and the customer does not show the value, they will not come back. And we definitely made sure that the customer saw real value and most of my packages and most of my customers are, are repeat business with me. Um, in fact, some of my packages, what I do is I sign them up for multiple years uh, so that they can lock in a price. With pricing, we always made sure that we're very uh, open to our pricing. We, we had a, a package that we started to ramp up in, in, in how much we were charging, but we noticed that, hey, there was, a, there was, a, there was a, a ceiling. You can only charge so much, so we brought it back down and left it there. But in, in the same token, there was packages where we were not charging enough. And so we ended up ramping those up. And so as you go through the years, we ended up adding you know, some, some higher prices to it to try to figure out, okay, where is the top? Where is the cap? What's the market going for? What's the, what's the area where we need to be? Uh, sorry, the, the price where we need to be on this. And then the very last key important thing, I believe, is that Precision Ag is used for customer retention and acquisition. I don't think you can measure just the, the integrated solutions or the precision ag department strictly on dollars and cents at the end of the year, saying this is my profit and loss statement and I see a negative in this department or a positive in this department, so that we measure success by that. I truly believe, and our dealership is very much looking at this, is that retention and acquisition, right? We convert new customers, and we maintain our old customers because of the value that we're adding in the Precision Ag department.
0: We'll get back to the discussion shortly, but I wanted to again thank and recognize our sponsor, Farmers Edge, for making this program possible. Farmers Edge is proud to partner with dealers across the United States to unlock exceptional opportunities for their farm customers. Through innovative technology and field-centric tools, their Whole Farm smart solution will strengthen your platform and enhance your customer relations. Grow the opportunities for your customers and become a representative for Farmers Edge today. Visit them at FarmersEdgeUSA.com slash representative or call them at 952-582-1398. Well, Tuan talked about his early experimentation with implementing service plans being similar to throwing spaghetti against the wall. He struggled early on, getting the entire dealership to understand what the Integrated Solutions Department was trying to do in the precision. When selling a base service package that included training, updates, and replacement hardware, the service department tended to still give away some of those services for free, and it took time to get the mindset changed. Let's get back to the discussion and hear more from Nathan Zimmerman, Precision Farming Manager with AC McCartney in Mount Sterling, Illinois, who explains the importance of understanding the appetite and acceptance of farm customers' willingness to pay a premium for precision service when developing a support package.
2: I'm Nathan Zimmerman, I'm the uh Farm Manager or Precision Farm Manager for EC McCartney Equipment uh, we're a four store uh, basically AGCO dealer uh, Massey Ferguson Gleaner then uh, also Versatile and Kubota so um, basically what I'm gonna do is kind of go over what what we did uh, for a support package and ours was more based on phone support unlike yours um, and it's kind of neat to see those differences on uh, what what we're looking for so Um, Just get into it a little bit of overview on uh, AC McCartney. Uh, We got four stores basically northern, Illinois and then the western side of the state. Um, Our service area is basically like Janesville, Wisconsin almost all the way down here to St. Louis along the river. Um, We got customers kind of all over in that area. Uh, Multiple equipment lines, um, multiple technology lines, uh, Ag Leader and, and Breitkart and things of that nature. So um, there's only two of us, this is kind of a technology overview. It's myself and another person. Um, we do all the sales service and support for all four stores, uh, it's kind of a big area, um, and over that area we have about 165, I would say, good customers, solid customers that we deal with uh, yearly on a, on a face-to-face basis. Um, and then at the bottom there, I got a graph basically shows, you know, kind of where our market's at and where we sell our precision ag products. So you can see we've got quite a bit of Agco, um, but also we do a lot on the green side uh, as well as others. Um, so we're kind of across the board, we deal with a bunch of different colors of equipment. Um, why did we create the service plan? Uh, one thing. For us was to create consistent pricing for services, um, mainly between the stores. It's hard for two guys to uh, uh, try to keep everything fair at four stores when you're obviously always coming out of one or the other. Um, so it was it was good for us. Um, it was also good for the customers. It kept a fair price for them, kind of a flat rate type of deal, um, and it reduced our phone support calls. Um, mainly because we were told them we were gonna charge them. So, and you'll see that in a second. And um, the last thing that you'll, you wanna do it for is for revenue, obviously. So we wanted to recoup some of that, that money that, that uh, we spend on the phone, which is a majority uh, of our time during the busy season. Um, Jack rode with me not too long ago. I mean, you're on the phone almost all day. It, it just doesn't stop, so. Um, creating a service plan. Uh, what do your customers need? And this is all stuff that you guys you know have to ask. You know your customers. That's what I did. I asked some guys that, that we took care of and asked them. You know what they thought would be fair, or if they thought that was a good idea. Um, they'll tell you. They'll say, "No, I don't want to get charged for phone support." Or, "Yeah, I'd pay you something." Um, but they'll let you know what what they think would be uh, fair. Um, services you should offer. Since there's only two of us, we don't have a whole lot of time to. Um, probably do as much as we would like during the busy season or, or offer as many service products or plans that we would want to, but um, we kind of started small and uh, hopefully we get to grow on that as we go. Um, and then what's included, not included? Um, that's just something I'll get to here when we get into the, the plan itself. Um, a lot of customers, obviously we, we serviced a bunch of different types of uh, equipment, so they all have different needs. Obviously our Agco guys, they might have four or five pieces with us and they've got harvesting, planting, you know, tillage, everything's all in one. Um, We can take care of them all year long to where we have other guys that are maybe just a combine. So how do you sell him a package when all he has is one piece of equipment from your store or one yield monitor um, and nothing else? There's really no reason for us to talk to him during planting season. Um, because he doesn't have that product from us, so this is kind of what we came up with. It was a, a build your own service plan. We gave the customers choices. Um, basically, what it started out as is a base plan that included your unlimited phone support, technology training, um, which is something that we did anyways, regardless, um, a parts discount, labor discount, and loaner equipment so and i've I've been to a few of these where they say you should never discount your, your parts or anything like that. So we give them a little bit of a discount on that, and then as far as the labor discount goes, um, we charge uh, the technology side out a little bit higher than regular shop rate. So when this guy signs up for the, the service plan, when he gets that discount, we're actually right back at, at where our shop rate would be normally. So um, really not losing a whole lot there when we have to go out work on stuff. Um, additional options that we put on it, firmware updates, you know, subscription services and that's basically just us setting that up for them. We start charging for that um, just because a lot of guys don't want to deal with it. Um, Yield data processing, uh, yield monitor calibrating, and then guidance and setup calibrations, things like that. So basically this is a this is what we've got going on kind of example of what we did. Um, It's $300 a year and if you look uh, The stuff I listed off it was included. Um, They get that unlimited phone support so they can call us whenever they want. And we're charging people $25 that call us that have not signed up for this. Um, That was a bit of a struggle uh, in some cases, but as long as as you're up front with that customer and he realizes that that you're gonna answer his question and get him fixed, they're usually all right with a charge like that. Because if he's sitting in the field and he can't plant for some unknown reason and he can call you and get going again, I can guarantee you that $25 is worth every penny to him to get going. So um, This is how we set it up. Uh, Basically on the right side is is everything that we would charge if a guy did not have a service plan. Um, And on the left side is what we charge if he does have a service plan. Uh, One thing we do whenever we sell equipment, precision equipment especially, we try to put this in there for the first year. We realize there's a learning curve for that guy on that first year, and he realizes that too. So we put this on there, we try to write it down to make sure he knows that next year it'll be $300 if you were to do something like that. Um, and, and typically, that guy's first year, he's calling you a lot. He's learning it, um, and he gets used to used to having you there. This really doesn't become a problem with him for the next year when you're trying to sell it to him. So, a majority of our guys that signed up just did the base plan. Um, We had a a handful of guys that added some stuff down at the bottom. Um, And one thing we did, and I don't know if it was right, is we told them that they could add stuff through the season as it went. So we didn't make them decide everything all at once. We just let them add to it as they go. So, um, basically the first year was 2016 last year. Um, we brought this up at multiple uh, events that we had between the stores. Like I said, we have about 165, I would say, solid customers and we had 50% of them sign up last year for this plan. Um, 2017, this was before uh, before January, we had 15% already signed up for this coming year. So a lot of those guys are seeing value in it um, and, and kind of like that insurance. Uh, Thing was said. I think I think they look at it as an insurance policy of knowing that they have somebody to call. You know, they've paid for it. They're expecting you to answer, and that's a big thing. You have to answer the phone. You have to get back to them because they have paid you for it. So some positives and negatives. Uh, The insurance policy. um, One thing that we saw that we didn't really even think about was when you charge a guy for a training event, he'll show up. If it's free, it doesn't, unless the food is really good, which is what most of them come there for anyways. But uh, they show up to that and they actually sit there and they actually take it all in. Um, uh, the amount of phone calls that it reduced for this year just on me and, and Joe who, who helps me was was crazy in my opinion. Um, this was the easiest spring we've had by far and planting season is usually the most hectic. Harvest doesn't seem to be too bad. but. Um, there's a lot of added benefits on our end that we didn't really see see happening other than the revenue and stuff like that. Um, most of our customers, I think they see it as a fair value because we give them the choice to add options. You know, um, the 300 bucks, is, it might be steep for some of them, but, but I think they see that value in us. Um, and the negative is you got those other guys that say, that's way too much, I'm not paying you for that, um, which is fine, but as long as they understand that they'll get charged you know, on the backside, and and they know that. They're okay with that too. Being an equipment dealer, the other thing you run into is the guy says, I paid $300,000 to you for this combine. Why do I have to pay for the service plan? Which is true, which is why we try to do, you know, everything included in the first year. We've had actually just one guy out of that 165 that that really brought that up. Um, And then the can't believe you're charging for a phone call. That typically comes from the guy that hasn't ever done business with you and calls you because apparently somebody else at the other side of the table isn't answering their phone calls for some reason. Um, we try to get his information and we'll send him a bill and then, and then we get another phone call. and I have to joke with him that I'm charging him for that too. But uh, <laughs> yeah, he'll get over it, I guess. So... Uh, that, at that point, I explain to them our—you know—I try to explain our our program to them what we do, and, and they usually understand that, and they'll either take the $25 hit or or uh, jump in on the on the service plan. So, um, things that, that we've learned uh, when you do something like that, just on since since I'm out in the field also with the service call, call stuff happening. Um, one thing I need to put in there is, is a cutoff time, you know, at night or on the weekends. Um, I don't mind taking calls, but when it's midnight or, or Sunday at four o'clock, I mean, I just think there's, there's something to be said about myself and Joe having at least one day out of a hectic week in the spring to, to be able to relax a little bit. So um, that's something I want to put in there. Uh, something Colin talked about was automatic renewal. Um, that's something that we need to do and we had talked about we need to get that done um, just to kind of get those guys used to that that cycle of of the service so um, and then I need a better way to keep track of calls on the road um, when Jack was riding with me I was writing on every piece of scrap paper I could find in my truck trying to keep track of everything that was going on and uh, you know how those just disappear. Um, We need to come up with a better way to to keep track of that, whether it be something on our phone to do that, like that CRM tool or whatever they're talking about, um, or just a bigger piece of paper that I can't lose. So that's some things that we've learned, um, and that's, that's basically our service plan in a nutshell.
0: Well, thank you to Nathan and Twan for sharing your experiences and advice for implementing and adapting precision service plans. Nathan noted his incentive-based approach to selling service plans is including unlimited phone support. Tracking and billing for phone support is a shared challenge among dealers, but something AC McCartney emphasizes, since they charge customers without service plans $25 per phone call for support. While Nathan admits some customers are initially irked by having to pay for that support, complaints tend to be from customers who haven't done business with the dealership in the past or are frustrated by another retailer's service performance. For those listeners who'd like to see more about the presentations mentioned during today's program, can visit www.precisionfarmingdealer.com. And I'd like to recognize and thank our sponsor, Farmer's Edge, for helping make this Precision Farming Dealer podcast series possible. I certainly look forward to your feedback on today's program, so feel free to drop me an email at jzemlicka at lessetermedia.com or give me a call at 262-777-2441. Also, I'll look for you at the upcoming Precision Farming Dealer Summit January 8th and 9th in Louisville. Again, the theme of this dealer-only event is Bridging the Precision Profitability Gap and will feature a mix of general sessions, panel presentations, and roundtable discussions. Space is limited, and you can visit PrecisionFarmingDealerSummit.com for more information and speaker updates. You can also keep up on the latest Precision Farming news impacting your dealership by registering online for our free daily email update. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at PFD Editors and on our Precision Farming Dealer Facebook page. Well, I hope that you'll join us again on November 22nd for the next episode in our 2017 podcast series. And I look forward to seeing you in Louisville this coming January at the third Precision Farming Dealer Summit. For Tuan Van Ham, Nathan Zimmerman, Farmer's Edge, and our entire staff here with Precision Farming Dealer, I'm Jack
1: Semlicka.